sounds funny, but I just can't stand the pain. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow. Seems to me, girl, you know I've done all I can. You see a big stone on the barrel. Yeah. It's why me. Like your mother. <laughs> Tis I, the Prince of Podcasting, coming to you live on a Sunday afternoon with the uh, Duke of Discourse, old Chucky Data Sex over there. And that's Faith No More with their uh, cover of Easy by Lionel Richie. Or was it the Commodores? It's Commodores. Commodores and Lionel Richie. Yeah. So, we are here to serve. This uh, I won't put this out till Monday, but Monday rhymes with Sunday. But here comes that solo. Ah. That boy, good. He sure can play. Jim Martin was great. He's a good guitarist. No, good. I think I've only heard one Faith No More song. What, Epic? Yeah. Epic's a good song. And all, but you can help, help. They had... Uh, they that that, that album was actually pretty good. Uh, it was called... Fuck. I can't remember what it was, it was called. The Real Fuck. Thing. I was, can't remember it what it's called. called. The Real Thing. You heard that here first, folks. <laughs> Fuck, I can't remember Fuck, what it's I called. I can't remember it. No, it was called The Real Thing. It had uh, that one. It had uh, from out of nowhere, and uh, it actually had a Black Sabbath remake of War Pigs, which was pretty good. And they were even before Anthrax had done their song with uh, with Public Enemy. Public Enemy. Yeah. Uh, Epic was a rock rap song. Yeah, that's what it was. Great song. Here today. It's got that old 80s type yeah. flow. Slap bass. Slap bass is so cheesy. Unless, unless love it's it, in funk. Well, yeah. But it's understandable Les Claypool here. was good with it, though. Oh, Les Claypool's a ridiculous human being. Too. He, is, he is. He wrote a song called Winona's Big Brown Beaver. <laughs> he also wrote Tommy the Cat. Great fucking song. And Jerry was a race car driver. Yeah. <laughs> he's even doing like the hip hop. Yeah, yeah. He's got like boxing gloves on. <laughs> starts hitting himself. Mike Patton was a he was an odd guy. Like he was he was in that band, but his that was a side project for him. His main band was Mr. Bungle. Oh, there's a tractor in my balls again. Yeah, <laughs> I just know that because one of my friends had a T-shirt that had that on it. Yeah, but it, uh, he had to turn it inside out at school because it yeah. said balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every, you know, ACDC, that's kind of a, 
unfair. ACDC, every song they ever wrote had something to do with balls in it. Oh, that's that's why I like ACDC. You knew what you were getting. You I were loved getting, them. You were getting 4-4 timing. You were getting uh, the drummer just playing the goddamn beat, the bassist just playing the goddamn bass. Absolutely. And um, somewhere in there, there's going to be an Angus solo. And it's going to be a good one. Yeah. I, I mean, where and, do you th- where all do you those think- solos might be derivative of his other solos, but... It doesn't matter. Well, where do you think he ranks in the uh, in the hierarchy of great guitarists? Ah, fuck, I don't know, dude. What? Who? Well, okay. Who's your favorite guitarist? Uh, Mike Campbell from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Okay, and he's good. He's good, but he also didn't wasn't showy. Well, that yeah, okay. I liked. Uh, I, I tell you the truth. I used to like Steve Vai and and. All that ridiculous, I'm really, really good at guitar playing shit. Well, Joe Satriani was Yeah, those guys. But he didn't feel the need to be that extreme. I mean, he was good. But I have to be honest, one of my favorites is Mark Knopfler. I mean, because his... He's very tasteful. Well, yeah, and he's so understated. So, But he's a fucking amazing guitar player. Like, I I told you I found that... uh, What's that fucking band he was in? Uh, Dire Straits. Yeah. Definitely going to pull some of them up and play them. This might be one of those. Salt and Swing was a great song by them but sooner or later was i think that's them sooner or later sooner or later no wait that's not dire straits no that's not their okay. money for nothing's awesome love that song sting was in it sting he had a finger in a bunch of pies in the 80s didn't he he was <laughs> he, he was in time after time he was uh if you lost you can look that's a great will. fucking song walk of life is a great song actually. that's the one that i love that is my favorite dire straits song you're the one that i love well, thank you. You're the one that I want. Ooh, 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 <laughs> honey. You know they're doing a live version of that tonight? Of Grease. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I saw that. They're like, fuck it, we'll do it live. Oh, it's going to go bad. I'm sure it'll be fine. Who uh, gives a fuck? Shooter Jennings actually did a pretty good cover of this song, too. Shooter Jennings is really good. I like him. The name of his first album was called Putting the O Back in Country. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> This song's great, catchy as shit. It is, and fun. It's a fun song. Like, and I, we were talking about this. I've gotten to the point where I can't listen to things that aren't fun anymore. I have no time for depressing shit anymore. That's all I have time for. Well, unless it's a movie. Yeah. White people movies, man. Got kind of a country beat. It's got the the Bruce Springsteen type. Yeah. Uh, it does organ. sound like it does sound like a Bruce Springsteen song. Like, except for Springsteen's would be a little bit maybe faster, yeah, and a little bit bigger. I'm sure they did something together. Yeah, it, it's great. Man. Yeah, it's fucking great. I love his singing style too. I mean, he's sort of mumbling. Yeah. Love it. Jamming out. Chuck's got his shirt off. Walk. I'm walking like an Egyptian. <laughs> <laughs> it's very racist. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love that song. I like the bangles, period. I like to bang the bangles. Oh, who was Whatever. I tried to make like a pun, but then I realized it's the same word with L-E-S on the end. Yes. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. 
Who else would like fucking look up some ACDC? Bon Scott ACDC. Uh, I prefer the real version with Brian Williams or whatever his name is. Brian Johnson? Yeah. That's not the real version. Are you kidding me? But their best song, my, my favorite, well, it's not their best song, but my favorite ACDC song was uh, Always Let There Be Rock. Let There Be Rock? Yeah. I like that. My friends used to cover it, and uh, J-Mo was in that band in Red Audio. And they did a cover of Let There Be Rock? Yeah. That's cool. J-Mo, friend of the show. Yes. But is he more of a friend of PFR or of the Fun Employment Files? Right. Or, or is that moot now since there's been a crossover? There's been a crossover. Uh, everything's canonical now. <laughs> It's like how uh, we have a unified universe. Uni- like unified, yeah. The like the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Uh, how everything but the movies is not canonical now. Right. Now both shows are canonical with each other, so we can just do whatever. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat how it's happened. It's just a ridiculous song. Oh fuck yeah! It's very aggressive. Six fucking almost over six minutes long. Still a hit. Six minutes and eight seconds long. Yeah. This might be their fastest song. It's kind of punkish in a way. Yeah. Bass player. That was uh, Phil Rudd. No, Phil Rudd was the drummer. Bassist was Cliff Williams. And he was has always been the bassist. Uh, they had a rota- some rotating drummers. Uh, it was Phil Rudd for a while. Then it turned into Chris Slade. I think came after Phil Rudd. That's a pretty great name for a drummer. He was in the firm. Then there was Joe Stumpy Peeps. <laughs> the paper. At one time he just exploded in the middle of the set. <laughs> Best left it, leave it unsold. <laughs> Choked on someone else's vomit. Unfortunately, Scotland Yard doesn't have the capacity to fingerprint vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest fucking movie ever. It's one of them. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. That's one of those movies I could watch every day. I mean, just not even really watch it, just leave it off the background noise and chuckle every now and then, you know. Fucking AC to the DC. Yeah. As far as like straight rock guitar players, Angus is pretty good. Yeah, I thought so myself. I thought he was, you know. But it's not his technicality that makes him great. It's it's his spirit. It's, yeah, know, it's the feeling that he puts into it. Yeah. But like the, the guys like Satriani and Steve Vai and stuff, it's just basically look how good. Well, maybe not Satriani so much. I know he, he he's really good, but like I don't like I, I don't like instrumentals. And mostly all this shit was instrumental. Well, yeah. I mean, he would sing every now and then, and but he had a couple of my favorite songs that are. Surfing with the Aliens is a great song because it's exactly what it says. The song it feels like you're surfing with the Silver Surfer. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun. Um, Steve Vai was more of a cunt, um, but the biggest cunt ever who was one of those guys is Ingwie Malmsteen. 
He was just such a oh, fucking he's terrible. asshole. Yeah. No, he was good. Technically, he was as a human being, he's just yeah, a terrible prick. He's talk shit. He's racist. He's talking yeah. shit about rap and shit all the time. He had that weird guitar with the scooped frets. Yeah, he was just fucking weird. He can go fuck himself. <laughs> if I ever see him, I'm fighting him. <laughs> I don't even know if he's alive. <laughs> I love this. This is Stevie Ray Vaughan's version of Little League. Well, he had a lot of instrumentals. Yeah, Little Wing is one instrumental that I like. Who did Little Wing originally? Hendrix. Yimmy Hendrix. God, he's fucking great. A lot of people say he's the best blues guitarist of all time. That's a strong statement. Not without evidence. He's he's ridiculous. I'd say that's a 90% true statement. Double troubles and bad motherfuckers too. Yeah. To make all that noise with just three people. Yeah. Poor Jimmy G- Vaughn was good. Jimmy Vaughn's good. He's he more like a, a rockabilly type guy. Yeah, but he was good. I mean, and, and you know what's cool about him? Never ever expressed any sort of jealousy. About yes. His brother. Because he's just like, hey, my brother's the greatest guitar player of all time. I, and I mean, it's it's subjective. It is. You can't. There's no really judging that. You have to pick a genre and then choose who you think is greatest in that genre, and then that's a matter then of have opinion. a tournament. Yes, then it, then it's a matter of opinion. Then you put them in a, in a cage. You have a royal rumble. Yeah, and, and over the top, over the E string, royal. Rumble. <laughs> you got to throw them over the over the over the low E string. <laughs> well, I would say the greatest uh, thrash guitarist, like metal guitarist, is probably Kirk Hammett. Um, there were some good ones. Yeah, there's lots of Dave Mustaine ain't nothing to sneeze. No, he was good, he, but he wasn't. Kirk Hamill was so much better. Hell, even James Hetfield's good. Just to play that type of music, yes. you, you have to be on a different level. Punk guitarist doesn't really count because it's all da 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 da. You know, it's. Well, I don't know, man. Some of them are really good. I don't know. I've, I've never really del- delved that much into well punk all that much. I like punk, but I'm not big enough into it that I. I have a favorite punk band, but it is a. A sub punk genre. It's Dropkick Murphys, which is an Irish punk band. We still need somebody to dress up like the Rock and Roll Express and play Dropkick Murphy songs and call themselves Double Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> if any of my friends out there want to do that, please take that idea. You don't even have to give me any money. Double Dropkick Murphy needs well, to be a thing. I wanted to start a um, <laughs> start a Eddie Money cover band. They call it Three for the Money. It's a three piece. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll have some friends, uh, Joel and Neil. They were going to start a cover band that was, they only did tonic and gin blossoms and call it gin and tonic. <laughs> and those are two bands that sort of go right together. Too. <laughs> yeah, they do. They really do. Like 90s. Somebody put a 90s channel on work the other day, and it was one of the, the most pleasant days of work ever because they played. The 90s, it was full of good music. Like, it, I, it's one of the best decades. From all across all genres. Even the pop music wasn't yes, that terrible. exactly. I mean, I think that... God, that's fucking good. Yeah. amazing. It's gorgeous. Just hearing that in the background is... Oh, man. It's fucking gorgeous. It's one of those songs... You know, have you ever... What's the one Richie Valens played and then somebody else replayed it? It was an instrumental. Uh, Sleepwalk? I don't... Do, do. Yeah. Do. I think... Richie Valens was the second person to do it. Okay. Franco or uh, Santo and Johnny. I think they were the first from like the mid 50s. It was a sad song. It's, yeah, very sad. 
but I mean, and I, I am one of those people. Like, if I hear something, if I see a movie that's good enough, and not even sad, but I see something that that's good, or the music is that good, I will cry. Like, it does. It will draw me to tears, you know. And and, and that's one of those songs. What's amazing about this is the original, the Hendrix version wasn't instrumental. He sang. Yeah. This doesn't need it. <laughs> Fucking incredible. I, I told you. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on the show. Mike McCready was getting ready to give up. He's the guitarist for Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. He was getting ready to give up, and I know a lot of people think he should have. <laughs> a lot of people don't like Pearl Jam. Fuck him. Uh, he was getting ready to give up, and he went to a like an outdoor festival, and Steve Ray Vaughan was the headliner. He started play playing "The Sky's Crying" or whatever, or something like that. Yeah, and it started raining as soon as he started playing, and that inspired him to keep going, and eventually end up in Pearl Jam. Well, see, and that's good too because it could have gone either way. Seeing somebody that with that much talent can crush you. Because you're like, I'll never be that good. Yeah, or it can inspire. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, with me, I knew I wasn't a good enough... Like, I used to draw. I knew I wasn't a good, a good enough artist. Like, I was good, but then I saw... I think the person who made me quit drawing what forever was uh, Joe Matariera, who did... You know the Darksiders games? Yes. He did all the design for that. Jesus. And he was a comic book artist. And he drew one picture that killed it. I mean, I, I was like, I'll never draw something that good was a drawing of this big monster and these people running from it. And it was so beautiful. It was done just with pencil. And he just sketched it out. He just showed him sketching. I'm like, fuck. I mean, his his scale and his perspective and how he's able to make things that were very, you know, the monster's head was very small, but its body was gigantic and it was kind of anime style. But it, I mean, I have a... This tattoo on my arm is a Joe Matter. Ooh, you got a tattoo. You're so cool. I am cool. <laughs> you really are. You're an inspiration to me. See, I don't let you your coolness get me down. I, I try to I mine you for inspiration. <laughs> the book I'm reading, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, yeah. um, it talks about how you can't let other people's art or music or whatever the thing is that you're wanting to do keep you from doing your own. Well, basically, they're brilliance. You know? Yeah. But I was going to say with that... That killed me wanting to draw because I wasn't, I don't have the spatial, I'm not that good at it, you know. But writing, like every time I read a great writer, I always end up writing because I'm just like, you know, not that I'm that good, but I know I can be that good. Or a bad writer will make me do that because I've read a lot of bad writers and who sell, and it's not a monetary you, thing. You've read my Entourage um, fan fiction. Yeah. Does that inspire you? It was pretty or? good. Oh, okay. It was. Pretty good. It, it, it was us. You know, good is the enemy of great. <laughs> it was us. <laughs> we'd be the most boring entourage show ever because we'd have all that money just sit around. What do you guys want to do today? Let's go get some weed. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Then we'll watch uh, Family Family Ties for about 12 hours. <laughs> then we'll eat. <laughs> It'll be great. I promise it won't be boring at all. <laughs> Fuck. Who else? Who else should we talk about here as far as guitarists? Well, I could look up some Tom Petty. I like Tom Petty. I'm trying to find like a good one that has like a good, uh, oh, it's fucking solo and it's good to be king is really good. What, like the Lion King song? Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly like the Lion King song. I love that song, by the way. This album from Tom Petty, uh, Wildflowers from way back then, 96, I think. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Not yeah. a bad track on it. Unless Tom. you don't like Tom Petty. 
Yeah, but <laughs> who doesn't like Tom Petty? I can't. I don't. know. Some people don't. I'm sure. I'm sure there's somebody somewhere that that they hear free falling. They're like, God, go fuck yourself. Well, but that's unfair to Tom Petty. I mean, that's a great song, but it did get played the fuck out of. Though. Yes, it did. I used to cover it. But that's what good songs do. <laughs> I've covered a few Tom Petty songs. My fa- I think my favorite Tom Petty song is The Waiting. My favorite Tom Petty song would probably is... It's a tough one. Running Down a Dream, I love that song. Great song. Um, I'd have to say American Girl. Great song. Yeah. God, I mean, every time I hear it, it reminds me of... Uh, the Babe. The Babe with the Power. The Babe with the Power. The Power of Voodoo. Who do? You do. What the fuck? You- what? Remind me of the babe. <laughs> I was going to say Labyrinth. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. I mean, but- <laughs> it's good to be Labyrinth. You believe Spicoli when they interviewed El Chapo? Yeah, I think that Sean Penn is a very troubled individual who doesn't really know who he is. <laughs> I believe he's a good person. Oh, like a really good person. But that's due to the fact that he feels bad about himself and he wants to give and help people to make himself feel better. You know what I mean? And that's not a bad quality. That's a good quality. But it's like when he went down there with his own boat and helped people in New Orleans. Or maybe it's just that he feels bad because he's given so... he's Well, he's not given, but he's earned so much. Yeah. And he wants to help people in any way he can. Maybe it's not because he's a, he feels like he's a bad person or something. No, if he's an addict, which he is... Yeah, he was. Yeah, then much. he does feel that. I mean, coming from an addict standpoint, you always feel that. Like, I always feel bad. Like, I always feel like I want to help someone, you know? And I I don't know. It's to help. It's kind of a selfish thing you do, but at the same time giving. You know, it's a very odd, you know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I mean, you do it and do it anonymously. Like, but you feel, makes you feel good. And you know before you do that It's going to make you feel good So is that a selfish thing Or is that a giving thing Or is it both So I don't know That's a tough question You know It's like When you finally get to the point Where It does make you feel good But it's because of a Higher reason Not It's because you know Okay (laughs) And Les Miserables The priest that means the miserables in French. It does. The miserable ones are, you know. Like that. That was a great book. But the beginning with the priest, the curé, uh, and he gave so much. And he didn't do it. He did it because he felt like everybody needs to give. Society's a better place when you give. You know, and he said, I need no wealth. He said, my, my robe is good enough for me. My shoes are warm, but that's okay. I don't need it. He's like, what, I got what? this sweet dick here. <laughs> Throwing it out to all the nuns. I got a bird that just won't quit on me. <laughs> but it was that. It was, you know, the point at which you really embrace giving and feeling good is is a good point. You know, so selflessness, let's say. Some people call it uh, selfishly selfless. Like they, they, they do all this stuff just to make themselves feel better. Yeah. Yeah, but what's the difference? Not really. Not I mean, really any, any y- difference. It's a difference to yourself and the fact that. But they do it. You know, I, I don't like people. You know, it's like Bill Gates. Okay, you unless 
you look that up, you would not know that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is the is a massive philanthropy group. Might be the biggest philanthropy group in the world. Because he was raised with those Midwestern values. Don't you ever tell people you give to charity because that's not what it's about. It's to it's to help other people. And I think they really do that. You know, so I think they do too. I like them. I do too. I mean they're from my fa- couple of my favorite people. Uh, as a matter of fact, I posted that thing on that uh, on uh, Facebook. You know, it was a picture of Bill Gates and says the one rich guy that doesn't suck. You know, <laughs> because he is one of the only ones that doesn't suck. I'm trying to find a Neil Young song because he's not technically a really great guitarist, but I just like his style. Oh, shaky. Yeah, that's his his style is shaky. Well, did he have MS or something when he was a kid I don't or something? Know, man. I read his book. I see. I've got it at the house. I still haven't read it. I need to make it a project to read that one this year. Hmm. I'm trying to find one. Where is it at? What am I fucking looking for? There's this one. It's ten minutes long because Neil Young used to do that type of shit. <laughs> he would put out albums with seven songs on them. Two of them would, two or three of them would be ten minutes long. That's, <laughs> but they were like they would tell long stories. It was real. I don't. I don't well, that's what Ray Charles said. That's why he did a country album. He said, "You know what's great about country music is the stories." You know, and that's what a song or anything should do. I, you know, there are things that are outside the story realm. Like even some good, even some good writers write not necessarily tell a story, but just. Jack Kerouac was one of these. He was big in the stream of consciousness. Big Sir, if have you ever read any Jack Kerouac on no. the road or anything? It's good. On the, he's, a, he's it's a he seems like the type of author that I should tell people that I've read so I seem cool. Absolutely, <laughs> he is. I mean, but that's why I hesitate to tell people that stuff because I used to do that, not knowing that that's a cunty thing to do. You know, before it's you, not really if you've really read it. Well. I, I, I did. I read a few things. I read On the Road, The Dharma Bums, Big Sur. Big Sur is, he went up to Big Sur in California and just wrote a, a run-on sentence for like 300 pages, or maybe not that long. Did somebody edit it and put punctuation no, in for him? they did not. It's just all, bam, this is me. Was he on acid? He wasn't a drug guy. Hmm. Kerouac was a strange person. He was, he was, he was part of the counterculture, like, as in people liked him from the counterculture, you know what I mean, in the 60s. But he was pro-Vietnam. Like, he didn't he didn't like hippies. He didn't, you know, he was kind of a tough, salt-of-the-earth type of guy. You know, was, he was a Midwestern guy, wasn't he? Canada. He's Canadian. Canadian. Just like Neil Young. Neil Young I think was, he was Canadian. Canadian. I think he was Canadian. I'll have to look no, that Listen up. to the solo. One note. He's hitting one note, but for some reason, it's awesome. It is good. I like. It. <laughs> I, I, I gotta admit, I'm not a big as, as Neil Young fan as you are, but I remember when I was a kid seeing Pearl Jam and him do "Keep on Rocking in the Free World," Fuck and yeah. I knew, I knew, even as a kid, I knew. I was like, I just saw one of the greatest things in music history. Oh, right it's there. amazing. Yeah. Well, they did. Uh, they did Animal mm-hmm. at the movie or the Video Music Awards. Yeah. And then Eddie mumbles, oh, no, let's bring up my Uncle Neil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know who he was. Shit. I didn't know who he was. Like, 
mom knew because they were from that generation. They said, that's Neil Young. I was like, who? And they were like, he was, you know, and then they started telling me about him. I was like, well, this is cool. And one of my favorite albums of all time, Neil Young's Harvest. It's it's a, it's a it's a country album essentially. It's yeah, mostly acoustic. Well, that, that's okay. That's one of the things you don't like the Eagles, okay? But in that documentary, they explained and made you kind of like the new country wave that happened. It was Linda Ronstadt, them, uh, Jackson Brown, bunch of great. I like all them. Uh, Bob Seger was in it. Um, what about the Silver Bullet Band? Were they in it? <laughs> Not that I could see. It was just Bob. Um, what's the guy who... Hey, Bob Seger's a bad motherfucker. Yeah, he is. I know some people that went and saw him when he was in Charleston a year or so ago. Yeah. They said he still fucking kicks it. See, that's the thing. And everybody said, well, Bob Seger has white trash nonsense. Like, no. It's just good music. You know, there's a difference between being pandering to the lowest common denominator and just being good music. Speaking of pandering, um, <laughs> in the early 80s, uh, the... The executives at Neil's label asked him to uh, make an updated album, of, like more of like the electronic music that was happening at the time, New Wave. So he made an electronic album where his voice was vocoded the entire time. I'll play some of it for you. That's weird. He made an electronic album where his voice was vocoded and sounded like a robot the entire time. Yeah. It's called Trans. See if I can find some of it. This is a live version, but it's. <laughs> but he did that just because they they asked him to. So he made an intentionally ridiculous album. Yeah. That nobody was going to buy. <laughs> just to, just to be an asshole. And say, don't tell me what to do. And that's so him. You know, it's from everything I've read about him and all that stuff. You hear? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculous. (laughs) Such a prick. I don't think he is. I think, well, he gets. Well, no, it's just that he's. Don't tell me how to do my art. He got into that uh, feud with uh, Leonard Skinner. That was sort of a feud. Here's like the here's the studio version. Transformer man. He even did one of his old songs on it, uh, Mr. Soul. Yeah. I'll play the original. That's, so, that's kind of disturbing in a way. It reminds me of music on uh, Clockwork Orange. I'll play the original version of Mr. Soul in a minute. This, this was from Buffalo Springfield. They were on that movie. Yeah, but they were on that He did this in Buffalo Springfield. It was like the B side to uh, the Stop Hey What's That Sound. Yeah. Because the riff is so similar to Satisfaction. But after after he made that album, they said, "Why don't you go back and do more a more of a a country, early country type album?" And uh, he did like an an early '50s rockabilly album. Well, that's just awesome. Here's the original version. You know, 
it's live, but it's still friends. awesome. Now, now we have five fellas who call themselves the Buffalo Springfield. The Buffalo Springfield. Please, no overtime. I'm not sure where they got the name, but <laughs> this I guy's know great. in the past year, they sold enough records. Barely goddamn laughs, this guy. By Buffalo and half of Springfield. <laughs> now, now, right now, they're going to sing and play one of their big hits, the Buffalo Springfield. <laughs> Oh shit! It's, I think it's half uh, for what it's worth and half Mr. Soul. I think that's how this goes. It's one of the best fucking songs ever. It is great. I'll just let that play. Stephen Stills was a really good guitarist. He was in that. See, that's that is a very prolific time in music where the country was reeling from Vietnam and the collapse of what America thought they were. You know, America looking for an identity. And these people this were... Is, this has some great lyrics in it, too. Yeah. It goes right into it. It's awesome. Oh, hello, Mr. Soul, I by. A lot of people hate Neil Young's voice. I love it. One of the funniest things I've ever seen is Dana Carvey did an impression of yeah. him. Mickey Mouse! <laughs> Dead dog lying in a ditch. Cigarette smoker has an itch. <laughs> he had the hat on. Yeah. What the in the buff the Buffalo Springfield whatever it's called for what it's worth. Um, the best lyric in it is uh, people holding signs that mostly say "Hooray for our side." It's just it's the same today. Yeah. Like Trump, Bernie, Hillary, fuck ISIS. No, we like ISIS. It's, it's the same. Yeah. Same is. as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Yeah, fucking Neil. He uh his son has like a severe disability. I don't know what it's called. It's not he's an autistic kid, isn't he? No, he's like wheelchair. I'm not sure what it is. But like, he they tried all these different therapies to cerebral to get palsy, him to react. Maybe? It might be cerebral palsy. Yeah, tried to get to get him to react. Try to make him better, make him happy, and nothing worked. And then one time he bought his son like a toy train set, and they put he put it together for him. And and whenever he started up and started going around and around, the kid lit up and he loved it. Yeah. So what does Neil Young do? Neil Young buys the Lionel Toy Train Company. That's fucking to awesome. To make sure that they don't go out of business because they were having trouble. Yeah. And everything's manufactured in the United States or Canada. It's one of them. Yeah. And he makes sure they stay in business and he has multiple charities that help people with that, with disabilities in, in therapies with like the toy trains or animals, animal therapy and all that shit. That's what the bridge school's all about. But again, you never would know that. I mean, because he doesn't announce that kind of shit. They just do a benefit once, once a yeah. year. The Bridge School Benefit, which always has like Radiohead, Pearl Jam, yeah. fucking Sting. Isn't Jerry Lewis, isn't he a cunt with like that charity? Didn't only like a very small I think Jerry Lewis is just an overall cunt. Yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis, salt of the earth. No, okay. Jerry Lewis, cunt. <laughs> <laughs> that one little name. Lewis from Lewis and Clark. <laughs> cunt. Great guy. <laughs> cunt. I don't know. <laughs> Meriwether Lewis. He was kind of a. Douche. That's a dumb name. I'll yeah. tell you that right now. 
I just received a text from Andy. Yeah. And he says, I just now got on the road, so I have to skip it. At least now we know. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right, Andy. Uh, for people that don't know what we're talking about, we were going to try to record re- commentary for Savage Championship Wrestling. Hold on. Savage Championship Wrestling today. But Andy just now got my text, I assume. So we'll do it next week, maybe. It's all good in the hood. Baby, baby. Baby, baby. What now? What do you want to talk about now? You want to talk about the uh, greatest xylophone players in rock history? <laughs> it's a short list. No, um, <laughs> I, no, I was wanting to talk about Cold Mountain. Cold Mountain, yeah. You yeah. told me you saw that the other day. It was good. It was strange, though, because it had a bunch of... There were very few Americans in it. Like, the Americans were uh, Renee Zellweger, Jack Black. No, not Jack Black. Jack White. Jack White. <laughs> That's good. Um, it would have been a completely different performance, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, who else was in it that was American? Um, Martin Scorsese, was he in it? Natalie Portman. She's so hot. She was very young in that. Like, it was, it was, uh, that movie's been a while ago. I'd say it's been it's a been good, a while. been about 15 years ago, something like that. But, um, 2003. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now. Um, but the other people you saw in it were like a who's who of you huh, law. Yeah. Uh, it's a soft J, right? <laughs> bunch of Brits, bunch of Australians, quite a few Australians. Um, Kidman, Zellweger, Eileen. Cillian Murphy was in it. Brendan Gleeson. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Charlie Hunnam. Was Giovanni Ribisi. Yeah. You know, I love Giovanni Ribisi. Yeah. I think he's hilarious. He's a good actor. That uh, He's a good actor, too. But yeah. that sitcom he did. Was bad. Donald Sutherland's in it. Yeah. Ray Winstone. Yeah. Ray Winstone was. That was. It's got Charlie Goddamn Hunnam. That's. Yeah. He played a very Jack strange part. Um, Ethan Supley. Yeah. Supley. 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 I think. You know what I remember him from? Mallrats. Two things. Mallrats. Son of Schooner. It's a sailboat. In American History X. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that song. The white man marches on. It was like, <laughs> God, he was so obnoxious in that movie. He was, he was so good at being that. Yeah, he was. A little bit too comfortable, I think. <laughs> yeah. <he was. laughs> and what about uh, what else about Cold Mountain? Would you like to say it was uh, directed by Anthony Minghella? It was. Was it uh, Minghella good? I'm <laughs> 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 such a scamp. <laughs> it was. Um, it was a very good movie. Like, but it was so strange. Like it was almost like a an on the road type movie because Jude Law had to get back to Nicole Kidman at Cold Mountain, North Carolina, and uh, there were parts in it, man, that were gorgeous. Like it was it was a really well done movie. It actually raised a question though. Uh, Jude Law's one of Jude Law's friends when he was fighting uh, this battle was a Native American, a Native American who fought for the Confederacy. To to me, that seems odd, you know. But is it, you know, it, that's a, that's a, a period in history. I'm having to look up. Did Native Americans fight for the South or the North? You know what I mean? Because it wouldn't have mattered who they were fighting for because both sides considered them. <laughs> was there like subhuman. a, was there like a negotiation? Like they would just meet with the North and be like, okay, if you, are you guys going to fuck us over if we help you? Well, 
No, no. No, not no. this time. Of course not. <laughs> and look at all those treaties we saw. Why are you twirling your mustache, <laughs> sir? Why are you why do you have that top hat on? Um <laughs> It's not top hat weather. Why do I even know what a top hat is? <laughs> but he was he was a Native American and um and I was sitting there thinking, you know, he was a Cherokee because the Cherokee are big in North Carolina. Cherokee people, Cherokee crowd. Try. <laughs> some 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 girl. But um I I need to look that up and and see if there were cases of Native Americans fighting for the North and the South and what their motivation was. Did they do brother against brother too? Well, you know what I think it probably was? There were Native Americans being people like everybody else who saw the writing on the wall, said, we need to assimilate. We need to become. And there are certain Native American groups that unless you put them in the sun, you can't tell they're Native American. They're very fair, like especially the New York tribes, the Narragansetts and, and tribes like that. I'm quite sure that they would have assimilated and just pretended they were white. I'm sure there are lots of families who did that just to save themselves, you know, um, then I'm sure there are people who would have fought for Confederacy because they gave fuck all about the the African slaves. They're like, I don't give a fuck. Fuck them. You know what I mean? They're because as a matter of fact, the freed African slaves, some of them became soldiers and who were instrumental in fighting the Native Americans. They called them Buffalo soldiers and moving West. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, and actually hated them just as bad as they hated white people. So, uh, I'm sitting here thinking, what would be their motivation? You know, but then you'd have to think, well, they're fighting the American government, which has fucked us over. Maybe if we fight for this government, we can have a bigger place. You know, we can, they will negotiate better, you know, and that's actually a valid point, you know, if that was a point they fought for. So that's, that's definitely something in history I might have to look up and. You can do exhaustive research. And then whenever we do a PFR episode, that can be one of your favorite things. Yeah. Yeah, which we skipped last week. We did. In the upcoming one. Yeah. Not the crossover All right. that the world was waiting for. <laughs> it was like the Flintstones uh, Jetsons crossover. It was reviewed. I think uh, somebody in the New York Times reviewed the crossover episode, said, I didn't know I wanted to hear this. <laughs> Turns out I didn't. <laughs> which was sort of not a bad review. No. no. Just sort of indifferent. A little bit. Yeah. I guess indifference is the uh, opposite of love. No, hate would be the opposite of love. I'm not it? sure. Like, uh, let's let's talk about it in terms of pro wrestlers. Okay. I could go any direction, but I'm deciding pro wrestlers anyway. Well, that's the best one. That's <laughs> if you come out and the crowd neither cheers for you or boos you and hates you, it's way worse. Well, hatred and love occupy the same parts of the mind. Yeah. Like they, because the person occupies your mind. If you hate them, hate them so bad, they occupy as much time in your mind as somebody you love. So you would rather, depending on what, which one you're trying to be, a, a heel or a face. Right. If you're trying to be a heel, you want them to cheer you. If you're trying to be a, a or a heel, you, you want them to hate you. Scream, you throw things even. Yeah. If you're trying to be a good guy. I hate that guy so bad. Boo! 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 <laughs> Indifference, you won't get booked anymore if everybody's indifferent. You know, yeah. I mean, same thing with being a musician. Like if you're up up on stage and nobody gives a fuck what you're doing, then <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> indifference. I feel so bad for some of those wrestlers that come out and just get nothing. Yeah, it sucks. You know, it's I'm it's sure it sucks. really uncomfortable to watch because you're like, man, they're just not getting over. You know, yeah. when they're hated, you're like, man, that guy's a fucking genius. You He's know? doing really good. Yeah, he he insulted the local sports team. <laughs> yeah. But some of them try to do that and it doesn't go over because nobody gives a shit. Like, oh fuck, we don't care. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have those people who, like, we did the. Savage Championship Wrestling Show, and I was honestly scared to let my heel status be known because I was afraid I was going to be attacked before I left the building. <laughs> oh, if they could have heard our commentary, the way you were talking about those fans. <laughs> <laughs> that idiot over there. Yeah, I was not kind. I was. And I was like, hey, she's a nice lady. Big Jim McGillicuddy. You sit over there and shut up, Big Jim. <laughs> So, yeah, in the performing arts, I would rather, even when I'm playing, I'd rather people hate me so at least I can say something mean to them. Yeah. Then people just be completely indifferent. Which to be I've forgettable, had. you know. Is- yeah, I've had people be indifferent. Sucks. Because a lot of my gigs I've played at places where people are eating yeah. and they don't want to hear my sad song about how a girl I like doesn't even know I exist. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, play fucking Skinner or something. Yeah. Covers. Yeah. I do like, I like it when people yell up on stage at me while they're eating and say, why don't you play something we know? I said, do you know how to play? No. Well, then don't tell me what to do. Have you ever gotten into an argument with, with Absolutely. crowds? Absolutely. <laughs> Dude. How, how contentious has this gotten? Not that bad because I'm I'm good at it. <laughs> People yell at me and to, to play. Like, play a wagon wheel. This happened. This happened to me a couple times. One time in Somerville. Got screamed, I like wagon wheel. Play wagon wheel. And I was like, no. Come on, just fucking play it. I know you know how to play it. I was like, I'll tell you what. I will give you my guitar, and you can play it. But I'm not going to play it. You can come up here and play it in front of all these people. 30 people. Yeah. But I'm not going to play it. No, I don't want to. Well, I don't fucking want to either. So leave me alone. I'm going to play what I wrote down on my set list. You can like it or not, but I'm the one with the microphone right now. Thank you. You can like it. Or, or you, you don't, don't like, like it. it, but learn to love it, that's daddy. What, that's what you should have done. <laughs> I've used the uh, used the line. Um, somebody screams at me when I'm on stage, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm working here. Yeah, I don't come to where you work and slap the dicks out of your mouth." <laughs> that's an old stock line. That's a good that comedian juice. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I can't hear you with your head so far up your ass. <laughs> Shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, there needs to be a, a heel musician. Like, that should be my, my fucking gimmick as a musician. Been. Marilyn Manson. Yeah, but he's not mean to the to his own crowd, the people that like him. Tool was kind of a heel. I'm talking like you come up on stage and you fucking berate your audience. Would that work in music? I don't know. It just depends. It'd be very specific. Yeah. You'd, you'd have a very specific crowd. I'm, I, that, that genre is wide open. Hatred music, where you just... You just every song is about the crowd. What a bunch of dumb fucks! Mm-hmm. Or, I can't believe you guys are even sitting here putting <laughs> up with this. Your mother should have had an abortion. Your mother should have had an abortion. Yes, you in the red shirt. I'm talking about you. Your wife is fat. One thing with wrestlers, they always insult the women, or or they 
or they'd say they call the guys fat because they're going to take all their women. <laughs> all these women, you know, and, and when we were watching Ric Flair, they loved him. Those women ate it up. Oh, yeah. They were like, he could have really just walked up to whatever woman whipped his dick out. That would have started sucking it. You know? <laughs> and those, like, that's why, like, on the, the WWE network, they have that uh, World Championship Wrestling, which was the NWA show in the 80s. Yeah. It's all squash matches with the Road Warriors coming out. You remember how the Road Warriors used to come in? <sighs> they would just come in the ring and start beating the fuck out of the monkeys. Yeah. And then within a minute and a half, it's over. Then they go over and do an interview yeah. for five minutes. Precious Paul Ellering with his fucking newspaper. newspaper. You know that was real? <laughs> Jim Cornette said uh, he was really keeping track of stocks. And things. <laughs> he, he was legitimately the Road Warriors manager. Really? Yeah. He okay. booked them. He's, he did the deals for them and everything. He was a big dude, too, man. Yeah. Paul Ellering was one of those guys that could have been a wrestler. You know, he was... I like Jim Cornette, though. You notice he ever stuffed his trunks and made himself look fatter and therefore more. He's so smart. Like He's the best. Well, he knew how to get hatred. You know, he knew how to draw hatred. And he never was was a face, ever. He was always. Always the bad guy. Oh, God. He's so good. He was talking about the Mulkies one time on (laughs) Mulkey Mania. We got the Mulkies down there. Mulkey Mania is running wild. I've heard he did a. uh, he did an interview when he, he talked about when he said that because they had, they were the jobbers. They would just come in and get the fuck kicked out of yeah. them. Yeah. But they like developed like a following where people love them. Yes. Randy and Bill Mulkey. They yeah. were, you know, cause they were odd looking. They were like albinos. And- yeah, he talked about it like uh, translucent skin. If Randy they- was tall and skinny, not an ounce of muscle on him. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> Bill was like skinny fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were. And like, it amazes me that, like, I was watching one time, there was guys trying out for wrestling, you know, and one of these guys was a guy who had never lifted a weight in his life. He wasn't fat. He wasn't skinny. He wasn't, you know what I mean? He was tall. He had spindly arms, but he was, it was just weird. I'm like, dude, you realize that you're going to have to be, have some kind of strength to be a wrestler, you know? And yeah. They help you to pick them up sort of. They sort of jump, but. And not even natural, you know. You're going to end up spiking somebody on their head. Well, yeah. Not even like Jen, Big John Studd, who looks like he never touched a weight, but he looked like he could just twist your fucking head off your shoulders. You know what I mean? He was. He probably. He was probably a logger or something. Yeah. Something uh, well, like I mean, a job that is <laughs> physical labor, and it depends on what you eat and what kind of person you are. You know, I've seen lots of older old guys at jobs like that who are strong as fuck, but yeah. not very big. You know, it's when I was uh, I did landscaping. Eight hours a day shoveling and throwing fucking big trees around. And yeah. All that shit. I got in pretty good shape. I was like, yeah. Jesus, I wish I could make money at this. Yeah. I loved working the railroad, swinging the hammer, picking up the railroad ties. Did you, did you like shit. doing it all the live long day? Absolutely. Was there ever someone ki- in the kitchen with Liza? <laughs> or Dinah? Dinah. Dinah yeah. It's Dinah. <laughs> Someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to summarize, it's better to either be hated or loved Absolutely. than to be have indifference. Yep. God, that's philosophical, dog. <laughs> Where do we go now? Um, I don't know. Anything you want to get off your chest? No, pretty happy today. Pretty happy. Yeah. Have you masturbated recently? Yeah. It's been a few days for me, man. I mean, you got to keep that game going. It's, you know, it's maintenance. Yeah. It's just like with water. If you go into a house, you buy a new house, you got to let their pipes run clean. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Shit gets shitty in there. 
That's right. I mean, uh, it <laughs> keeps your head clear. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, you want to end it? It's about three thirty. Yeah, let's let's. It's been a good one. Yeah, I've had a good time running yeah. our mouths about stuff and yeah, things, and listening and, to music and yeah, being those the show guys. about nothing. This is the twenty first episode <laughs> of the uh, Fun Employment Files. You guys, it is the Seinfeld of <laughs> <a> podcast. <laughs> what should I go out on? You want to name something and I'll find it on the YouTube. I was thinking. Um, there's an old song from the '90s that's really cool. Uh, look for Urban Dance Squad, Deeper Shade of Soul. I hope you're right. Urban Dance Camp? No. Dance. There it is. This better be good. I'm going to preview it before I let it go out. Let it be our thing to go out on. I like it. You probably, of course, you do. You wouldn't have mentioned it if you didn't like it. It's different, but happy. Mellow. That's my style. Surprise, surprise. So you rub your eyes. Never knew you the yes. So cool as I. Yeah, that'll do it. I like the chorus. The chorus coming up is really great. All right, guys. Episode 21, Fun Employment Files. Um, thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Tell uh, your mothers and your brothers and your sisters and your fathers. Tell your cats. Cats are starting to download podcasts. Tell your dog he's a good boy. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. This is Dutch. That is Chuck. Goodbye. <laughs> 